Welcome to the 25th episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. I'm Jack Neely. And I'm Jared Watkins. We are here to talk about the practical side of operations work. This week, we're talking about chat tools and how they integrate into operations and development staff workflows. So in the before time, there was a protocol called IRC for Internet Relay Chat. And it was, even in its prime, it was old and creaky and people made fun of it. But it's always worked, and it's always been reliable, and it's always been simple. In the before time, there was IRC. IRC is now, and IRC ever shall be. Well, I, I think it's interesting that a lot of the newer, some of the newer companies that's popped up recently, um, HipChat, uh, Slack, essentially is IRC with some Jabber-like features bolted on top. It's IRC with you know hipster attachments and and pretty user interfaces. Um, I, but I, I think really, some of the features... IRC it's cheaper. You can run your own secure version on your own EC2 instance. You're only paying for the EC2 instance. You need a specific product to integrate with your chat ops uh, workflow. Um, it's a it's a script away. Slack. Yeah, but, okay, you've got to wait for them to make the integration and and support and well, have you they paid have for Slack? API. Slack has an API. My my only complaint with IRC is that for it to be somewhat useful, you basically need to run a bouncer. Like if you want offline ability, if you want multiple clients, if you want um like push notifications even so that you can be mobile. I mean, you you need something other than Z and uh, IRC. Tmux and IRSSI. All right, so you got Tmux running on your iPhone or Android device? Or I guess, do you not care about that? Oh, what's a small thing to say? Um... <laughs> maybe maybe it's because I've been too connected to work. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. And that's, a, that's an anti-pattern. I need, to, I need to embrace not being able to be, con- be communicated with mobily. Yes, I do miss some reasonable mobile integration, but um, everything else sucks. And really, I don't mind being paged, but yeah, I don't really want work to be able to get to me 24-7. If there's an emergency, page me. Yeah, I, I will say that IRC is definitely approachable. I mean, it, the fact that it's text-based... Um, it's, it's pretty much ubiquitous at this point. And yeah, I mean, it's, there's pretty much uh, tons of, even not, if not rawly connecting to the socket, there's a ton of, uh, higher level languages or libraries for pretty much every language to write a bot for IRC. Yep. And they pretty much already exist. Yeah. The only thing, other thing that even gets close to IRC is Jabber or XMPP is a protocol in terms of ubiquity. It's that's deployed damn near everywhere as well. But IRC has the, the niceness of being dead simple to configure and use. So it's easy to write against. It's easy to use. It's easy to set up in crisis times. And if somebody throws yet another fancy graphical UI at me, I'm going to, Oh wait, Brendan just censured this. I can do that. Not a problem. (laughs) <clears throat> yes, insert bleeps. I so Jabber, I guess did did try to solve some of the problems I just had, like offline messages, uh, being able to have different priorities, so that you could have like say your mobile on a lower or is it higher priority? No, lower priority. Yeah. Um, so that it, way messages delivery. 
Right. And it would also route messages. Like if you had a higher priority client connected, it would route to that first. And Well, it was uh, also easily federated between instances. So you could have multiple domains joined together without having to explicitly trust users in other places. And it had security and presence detection and all kinds of other really nice things baked into it. And it was so good that a lot of large companies switched over to it, like Google Talk, Facebook, Messenger. It um, is still the backbone of a lot of the um, commercial chat solutions out there. iMessages. <laughs> yeah, un- but then unfortunately, everybody... Google decided that they were going to restrict access to the Jabber side of Google Talk and turn it into Hangouts, and they slowly pulled away from that federated amazingness because they wanted the mobile experience to be different and special and magical. And I'm not at all bitter about this, of course. And in the process, they broke presence detection, they broke notification stuff, they broke the UI, they broke history. And if you're using Hangouts as Hangouts on an Android device, it's great. And if you're trying to use it the way Jabber is supposed to be used, it it's like Google's IMAP. It works, but just... <laughs> It's enough for them to be able to say they're IMAP slash XMPP compatible, but it's nowhere near what it should be. Yeah, it's really I frustrating. Used to gateway um, Google's talk uh, Jabber stuff into IRC via Biddleby, and I participated with Google Chat on IRSSI, and it was beautiful. Oh, Biddleby. Well, you also had. When, with that setup, I remember talking to you then, you also had no presence detection either. So nobody knew if you were actually at your computer or not because you were always connected. You were always available. Yeah, but isn't that a setting now in Biddleby where you can it can sense auto, like if you don't, um, you can set it away or whatever, and it would set all your your um, protocols away or, or whatever? Well, seven years ago, either Jack didn't know about that setting or it didn't exist yet, or he just didn't care. Jack was too lazy to type slash away when he got <laughs> went up to go to the bathroom. Or went home from work in the evening. <laughs> I am always at my computer. You can reach me anytime. Besides, I was running it all in TeamLock, so I could just attach to it and read it from the SSH uh, uh, terminal on my cell phone. There you go. Because that's, yeah, that's yeah. that's a useful use for a smartphone. Didn't- didn't they have a, uh, a like a at one point a Skype back? I guess I think it was when when Skype the Skype cl- local clients had an API that you could use. Didn't they enable a Skype gateway where you can connect to Skype? And obviously that's that's gone away at this point. But because I think I I was at one time connected to to AOL to uh, Microsoft Live, which used to be called MSN Messenger. Um, I never got into IRQ, Skype. Um, I know I'm missing some other weird protocol. I believe you mean ICU. Yeah, ICU. Did I say ICQ? Yeah. You said IRQ. IRQ, ICQ, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> There's also AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, I was in, in AOL, yes. If I didn't say AOL before, yeah, AOL. Which that was like the end thing to to, to have when I was coming up in high school was an AOL handle even if you didn't necessarily have AOL dial up one of my first chat clients other than IRC was was ICQ and I remember all of us discovering this amazing chat client and didn't didn't a lot of clients 
claim like, like even like I think AOL's client and MSN's client didn't they both claim connectivity to ICQ as well? Yeah, everybody did ICQ back then. Right. Did, somebody bought ICQ at some point, and I can't remember who it was. What but... wasn't it actually MSN? It was either them or AOL. One one of them consumed it, and it was interesting. I, I think AOL gets notifi- notoriety as being the first kind of mass market chat client that wasn't. You didn't have to go searching for chat because it was built into the AOL service that a lot of people had, a lot of non-technical people had. So it was really easy to kind of get into, oh, there's a chat thing. And if I download this chat application, I can always be on chat. And it kind of grew from there. And they, they, they followed the example of um, IRC and IC, ICQ. Wow. Acronym <laughs> bingo. And AOL got a lot of users real fast. AOL yeah. did that right. That was a particular bit of genius. Well, I, I think it's very much akin to what um, Apple's doing with iMessage. With iMessage. <clears throat> that, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, as long as your contact was also owned an Apple product and before it, it went to the computers, uh, just an iPhone, it automatically switched over to use iMessage. There was something you had to do to use it. And so with overnight, they just instantly had millions of users. Overnight, they saved everybody SMS uh, charges. But incurred them data charges. And the dirty secret about that is that SMS is free to the carrier anyway because it's, I think, it's CRC correction data they have to send back for cell phone tower communication. So they're sending the SMS packets anyway. They're just mostly empty or mostly have junk data in them, which is just Right, ridiculous. yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a control channel. That, Ten yeah, cents a gets, pop. It's sense. But now that we have things like iMessage and Hangouts on Google's the Google side of things, there's it's hard to pay for like per SMS th- at this point with U.S. carriers. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I think pretty much every one of them has gone to unlimited minutes and 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 uh, text at this point, right? That sounds right. I haven't surveyed the field recently, although I need to at some point. I mean, unless you're you're doing a prepaid deal, I think sometimes then it's it's still limited or it's in the thousands. The other chat client I've used was actually uh, HipChat before Atlassian bought them. I don't know if you guys had ever used HipChat before then. I'd, I'd set it up with a um, company I was with at the time, and we were trying it out. Did it uh, suck less? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't even think we went past <laughs> really a few days of using it, but my goodness, has it gone downhill, or just, I guess, my perception of it going downhill. <laughs> I think part of the problem is there isn't a lot of profit in a chat client. So it's a service that a lot of people offer without putting a lot of attention into making it good. And HipChat, you know, works for the most part in terms of sending messages back and forth between team members and having rooms and things. But for me, the biggest downfall is the search fe- The search functionality is abysmal. And it takes a- it it takes a long time to page back through older chats. So you can't really get to histories of something that happened say three weeks ago without a whole lot of pain yeah but honestly uh slack search isn't too much better i mean it it is a little better but it isn't you still have that pagination issue to deal with and and honestly the ui for me is a little clunky because it slides over and then you got like you know like 100 picks or it's very narrow unless you full screen the app which i don't i rarely do so I think all chat clients have an issue with search. Well, I use ADM for most of my non-directly work-related chat stuff. And ADM has, among other really great features, it has the ability to log to text 
all chats you send or receive. So as long as you can do a file system search for ASCII text, you can do searches on it. And it's really easy and it's really fast because it's just text. This is why I used IRSSI with basically all of my clients and tried to gateway a bunch of the uh, other protocols I was using through IRC because IRSSI kept logs for me. If I needed to find a conversation or something, I had the logs stored by date and I had grep. Yeah, I, I do that with ZNC right now. I idle in a few, a few channels and I have ZNC to, to, to just log to the file system. So it's the chat version of a mailing list? Pretty much. <laughs> it, which is really handy for very high traffic. Like uh, Prometheus is, uh, the Prometheus channel has just, some days that thing is, is ridiculously busy. Uh, but I, sometimes there's some interesting conversations. Uh, you can pick up, you know, obviously development that's going on. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's nice to kind of um, search through, pick out a few of the core team members uh, handles and, just try to see what's going on. And then on the front end side, OSX, I actually use uh, Textual, which is a, uh, I guess it's closer now to a fork than a clone of XChat. And it uh, for OSX, it's really, I, I like it. It's very pretty. Because, um, I mean, really, my only chat methods that I use right now really are, are iMessage and uh, ZNC, or IRC. And then uh, I do use HipChat. But, Ooh, this is shiny. Yeah, because it's it's. I mean, it's essentially a, a nice skin over XChat. Everything else is pretty close to XChat. Um, the all your settings can be synced through iCloud. Um, so that way you don't have to set up servers three times over and all that jazz. Store my uh, IRC logs in iCloud. Uh-huh. Well, I don't use that p- portion. I just use the configuration to point to my ZNC server. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you hipsters in your graphical user interfaces. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really need to mess with RSSI, but see, then... Uh, the if only I using... reason we run X consoles is so that we can have more terminals. Well, and that's what I was about to say. If I was running, you know, Arch or Ubuntu with i3 or some tiling manager, sure, I would probably use RSSI. But since I'm using OSX and I have a graphical interface, it's much easier to be able to command tab over to a, an, a dedicated application than to go to a terminal window where I already probably have 15 windows open or tabs open already to find the one for RSSI. Plus, probably trying to get notifications to sync up and work great or just it just be a, a, an effort compared to, you know, the app just uses notifications, notification center. So we spent a lot of time talking about the tools and the protocols and not as much time yet talking about how we use these tools in work. And you touching on notifications makes me think of that because one of the, the problems I have with chat at work is getting out from underneath the notification stream of chat and like all the group, the group mentions and the app mentions in various rooms that I'm in to actually get work done. How do you guys handle that? Poorly. Can can we admit that? Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, I think it's, honestly, it, it, a lot like a lot of things we talk about here, I, I think it's a culture thing. I think the expectation that chat is not necessarily real-time communication needs to be set. Um, you know, it, it definitely is more instant than email. I think email should be considered next day or 
you know, uh, best delivery type deal. Next business it, day. Yeah. I mean, it just, because, I, I mean, I've gotten to where with email even, I I only run Gmail in a tab now. I don't run it in mail. I um, I do have the notifications enabled for it. So I do get notifications, but I try not to go to my mail as much. I try to do it maybe, um, you know, three to four times a, a day, like set intervals, like when I first get in, couple hours later you know so i'm i'm not constantly being distracted by that and with yeah i read my email much less than i used to yeah i used to <laughs> i used to run mutt in in tmux and on my <laughs> second monitor i just had irssi and mutt pretty much dedicated up there so if somebody was trying to get a hold of me uh, i could see it pretty quickly but since uh, mo- more most of the communication I deal with now happens over um, some sort of chat software. Um, you know, what goes over I, uh, email is is either the jokes that I'm not interested in, you know, random company updates that are are not important, or the the flood of dog use email. So, yeah, I don't have to read email constantly, and I I kind of like it that way. Um, but yeah, the the same issue I had with reading email. Uh, or letting email distract me from getting real work done is what chat does to me now. Yeah, I've taken a very heavy hand with my chat clients about what they're allowed to do in terms of visual and audible notifications because if I don't really cut it down, I will get crazy mentions from people in California well after I'm done with my workday because somebody in a room mentions at all instead of at here or doesn't realize that I'm an East Coaster and starts sending me messages and needs to get a response from me about something. It's like, hey, I'm in the middle of dinner at this point. And, you know, you're not asking me, we're not, this isn't production down. This is, hey, what's the configuration setting for a Kafka channel? And, hey, that's not, that's not the right tool to be reaching out to me with. Yeah, that's, I was about to say, setting your notification settings uh, is definitely key. And then also just I, I don't want to say ignore, but like if you're definitely in the zone or, or doing something, it's okay to not have to click or immediately go to that notification to respond to a person. And and like I said, I guess that goes back to what are the expectations for chat? And for some people, it is if I type something, you should respond within a minute or 30 seconds or some crazy interval, whereas I don't think it needs to be that tight. I mean, obviously, it four or five hours go by, I think that's a little insane, but 15 minutes, 30 minutes is not uh, a problem in my book. Cause again, you may be working on something, your head down on something, or, you know, you stepped away from your desk for a few minutes and it, and getting caught back up or whatever. So I, I just think not having to feel like you have to respond immediately to chat is, is empowering and, and helps you get your work done. And the flip side of some of that is, is the fact that uh, I work remote, um, being on HipChat is basically akin to being in my office. If I'm not on HipChat, that, then people you know, start to ask the question, am I working today? I'm getting to the point where I'm considering setting up a secondary machine with Synergy and everything, my, the screen sharing software, to put my chat clients and my email into. So if I'm head down on a coding issue, 
my other machine will go idle. And that would keep HipChat from opening up notifications directly on top of my coding window. Well, it also lets HipChat go idle when you haven't been over in that domain for a little while. And people will see that, oh, well, 10 minutes have gone by and now there's, no, there's been no keyboard or mouse activity. So this machine is now idle. Let's flip over, this, over the status settings and the present stuff then sort of works. Or just set your presence to away. I never remember to set it back, though, is my problem. And so I'll I'll come back from whatever coding session I was in, and people are like, oh, well, you've been away all day. And it's like, oh, I was away for three hours this morning, not for the rest. Oh, I didn't. And I'll then, much chagrin, go and poke it. But That whole work-at-home thing again? Yeah, this is why, you know, back seven years ago, I just gave up using a slash away and slash back in, in IRC because... Usually I don't remember it. And I've been spoiled by tools like ADM that have a fairly detailed and fine-grained you know, activity setting. And then the little icon changes its status so you can see pretty easily what it is and all of that. So have either of you um, messed around with any chat ops or uh, chat bots while uh, at work or even at play? I've done a little bit a long time ago with writing IRC bots in Perl, don't laugh. And you know the, the the very very simple ones where you mention the bot's name and you give it a, a very specific command to go do something. But I never got it hooked up to things like Jabber properly, and I never got other things going, and so I kind of gave up on them. But I like bots a lot; they're really useful, and the new generation of bots seem to be really kind of cool. Yeah, I really like what GitHub's been doing in the space, um, and now what's kind of led. For some companies to pop up um i i really like the idea of of like their deploys are done in chat rooms uh it, it, i think part of it is you know obviously the automation is nice but the other part is just the awareness factor especially if your team's distributed you can know what's going on without it being in my opinion too obtrusive or uh you know, it's not through email. It's not through like an at-all notification. It's just that it's a channel. Well, in this case, at GitHub, it's a channel. But you know, at, at your company, it could be different. But uh, there's a channel that you go into to you know deploy the app, and then you you can see oh somebody else has done one, or this was done x many hours ago. So there's a lot of context there that wouldn't necessarily be there if you didn't go through a, a bot uh, through chat. Yeah, it leverages one of the best things about chat, which is the the shared group history for the rooms. So you can say, oh, well, how did somebody release the app this morning? What settings did they use? Well, you go back and you look, and it's right there. And there's a, there's a record of it, and ideally this is logged somewhere for auditing for other purposes. But you can go back very easily and look at what somebody else has done for the release and go, oh, that was the flag they passed to it. Or that's, that's when they started building it, and it threw these errors in return. My only... I, I tried to do it at a company previous to my, my current job now. And the one thing I did run into and something I never fully, just because we, we couldn't get past the hurdle or, or convince our, our management about it, was authentication. And it, it does seem that some companies popping up now are, are doing some things for that, or, or I guess not authentication, but authorization. Because um, and it, it was a valid point. Uh, you know, if anybody gets into the chat room, they could theoretically do something. But I think that both GitHub and then um, the one company I'm thinking about is, is Cog um, do have ways to solve this. That basically through like a tokenization process, where the when you message the the bot the first time, it then private messages you and tells you to 
you know, put in your uh, like two-factor auth code or something like that so that it, it challenges you to respond. You respond, it validates it, and then it will, for the next 30 minutes for that handle, be whitelisted to do X, Y, Z or, or whatever. Yeah, the COG tools are pretty awesome in terms of the the forethought they put into the security and the the scalability of the tool chain. And one of the, the other nice things about the COG stuff is it's actually just Docker containers that run. So if you need to add another tool, it is sandboxed from all of the other tools that are running. Is you're you're not going to have an errant tool that has you know crazy authentication pieces suddenly get into your AWS pipeline build process because they're in they're in separate C groups. So it does that for each quote unquote, I'm going to say plug in here. I, I don't remember what you said, but like for each, I guess, feature it's, it's sandboxed. Each of the bundles. So each of the groups of tools are considered a bundle and like there's an AWS bundle that handles, you know, provisioning and deprovisioning EC2 instances, instances and those kinds of things. And if you have a networking suite, that's a separate bundle. It doesn't have direct access to that code. You can chain the output of one to the input of the other like like you can with Unix tools is one of the best things about the, about the system, but the code isn't running in the same space. So if you have an authentication issue, it's not going to to leak into the other pieces. It's going to be self contained in that bundle, unless you pass your tokens directly over, and then you're just doing it wrong and you should be shot. Yeah, I'm like you. the The bot I wrote was a Python bot that um really didn't do too much. It just uh it did do non-GIS notifications. Um, it didn't do any kind of deploys. It would let us know about deploys, uh, cause our deployment tool, our, our Jenkins pipeline would, would send out a, a notification to it to, to say, Hey, I've, I've just deployed X, Y, Z or whatever. Um, but it wasn't really fancy. Jack, did you do any crazy IRC bot programming back in the day? I didn't. I was definitely around some folks that did, but I never got too much involved in it cause none of the bots were overly useful. I mean, a, a quote database and an artificial intelligence that can attempt to uh, uh, respond in a human manner to a question. Um, interesting, but not always productive. Although I know some great stories of of people talking to an IRC bot or a Zephyr bot of all of all. Speaking of the mother of instant messaging protocols, um, and uh, eventually figuring out they were talking to a bot when the Perl script crashed. But, yeah, I never did much of that myself. Um, and spending a lot of time in a university uh, setting and career, um, that's definitely a different workplace or different model than a lot of our, our more common shops today that push out some sort of software solution. So, please take the time to rate the show in iTunes. It's the best way for new listeners to find us. Additionally, we welcome feedback about shows we've recorded or topics you'd like us to cover. Please comment at the, at the website, operations.fm, or send us your thoughts in email to feedback at operations.fm, or hit us on Twitter at operations.fm. That wraps it up for the 25th episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. We've been Brenda Diesendorf. I'm Jack Neely. And I'm Jared Watkins. Thanks, and good night.